You're listening to the Dyslexia Mom Life Podcast. I'm Nicole Holcomb, former teacher and school counselor turned civil rights attorney and podcast host. It wasn't that long ago that we learned the reason that our daughter was struggling to learn to read in first grade was dyslexia. Fast forward four years past many hours of research and collaborating with experts in the field of dyslexia. Now I'm sharing the lessons I have learned that took me from being an overwhelmed mom who didn't understand dyslexia to a go-to mom who is helping hundreds of moms each week through education and collaboration. I created the Dyslexia Mom Life podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies and hacks to help you do the same. If you're feeling alone and lost on your parenting dyslexia journey and you're looking to find a mom who gets it, you're in the right place. Let's jump in and get started. Hello, my friend. You are listening to episode 119, and I am so glad you're here today because I am diving into how to watch for and identify red flags and then what to do about them. So it is that time of the year where we start getting feedback from schools as it relates to the progress of our children. And if you're here because you are starting to see some signs that your child is struggling to learn to read, well, you're in the right place. If you've been here for a while, you know what? A refresher is always good. So hang tight with me because you're going to get some information and some things to watch for and some things to share with somebody. There may be someone that reaches out to you that needs some information. So this would be a great episode to share with them. But when I think about red flags, I think back to some conversations I had this week. This week, I consulted with a mom who has a, has a son who is in third grade, and she recently got some information home from school about some iReady scores, and although he had been a little behind in the reading scores, this year, as he transitioned to a new building, so in her district, their elementary is K-1-2, and then they go to a different elementary building for three, four, five. So now that he's at the new building and around new, you know, educators, new principals, they do another they do another iReady assessment to see kind of where he is in third grade. And they send home information about how to best help him learn to read. And they send some assessment scores back for the iReady that he is reading at the kindergarten level. Yeah. I bet you've been there, right? Where there's that discrepancy of where your child is academically and then where they are from a, per, a perspective of, you know, what what's really going on in their brain, right? Like where are they really academically as opposed to where are they chronological age, right? Like where they are in the classroom. And so when that happens, you know, we start having really in-depth, lots of conversations with our schools, right? Now, the one thing this mom did that I really appreciated and I highly, highly recommend and it's probably because she has a lot of educators in her family, is that, you know, when you go into these meetings, approach the meeting that everybody is there for the best interest of your child, including yourself. So when you go in with that mindset, keeping in mind our children are watching us. They're watching how we role model, how we deal with conflict and difficult situations. They're also watching how we respond to others. And, you know, I'm just as guilty as any mom. 
we do have a strong connection to these children, right? They are our babies, no matter how old they are. I've got a middle schooler now. She's still my kiddo, right? But when we think about when we initially learn this information, it can be really overwhelming, not really understanding the concepts and the pieces of maybe what they're even discussing. And maybe you had a bad experience in school as well. So, you know, first off, I would say mindset's a big thing. You know, go in with an open mind, having conversations, not uh, in, a, in a situation where you're accusatory. This mom could have walked in and been like, uh, we're in third grade and he's reading at a kindergarten level. What did you do wrong? When you do that, human nature is for the person to be defensive. That's just human nature. So when we talked before her meeting, I was like, you're going on a fact-finding mission. You're going to collect and get as much information as you can. And then also um, I I helped her uh, get a letter ready to request testing. So she walked in with the mindset of, yes, I I see at home too there's some concerns and, and how can the school best help? But why I share that with you today is I thought about where you might be and and we're all at that time of the year that, you know, luckily fall weather is happening, especially here in Georgia, (laughs) this uh, 90 something degree weather we're ready to get rid of. But it's also the time of the year where, you know, the newness of schools worn off, the review periods have you know worn off. Now we're actually into the meat of the school year. And if you haven't heard anybody say before, K through three, sometimes K through two, really is where our kids learn to read. And then third or fourth grade, depending on your state and your district, starts transitioning into reading to learn. So when our kiddos get to that third, fourth grade, it really starts showing. They're no longer able to just compensate for not being able to read. And so it starts showing up. And that's why you have a lot of kids identified in third and fourth grade, although they can be identified earlier Many times you might not see it till later uh, as it relates to the school district identifying it and seeing it. So that's kind of where my week started and had lots of conversations with this mom about, you know, kind of brainstorming, you know, the best way to approach this. The school did provide her the iReady scores and some recommendations from the state as far as how parents can help at home. So she went in armed with, you know, the information that she had and then also was just kind of you know, an openness about her to have conversations. Um, And then she has a medical background, so she's very factually driven. And so, you know, she was trying to focus on those factual pieces as well. All right, so what are some red flags, though, that we saw? So after we debriefed and had a conversation of their meeting, she said, you know, it went great. The teachers were so supportive. Uh, You know, her son's a very likable kid. The kids like him. Uh, and so I just listened for a long time, listened to the conversation, sharing with me the different things that they had said. And then I realized that, you know what, there's some red flags in here and there are some red flags that if you've not been through this before, or perhaps you've not been in education yourself as an educator or worked in a school district, you might not know that these are some signs to watch for. So I thought, Hey, let me, let me share it with you. Cause I feel like this is information you need to know so that you know what to listen for. And then if you hear someone else share this information, you can advise them, you know, hey, this is this is kind of what I've heard that you should do. And then, you know, would love if you would send them our way to listen to the podcast. So the first w- kind of red flag warning sign that, that I heard from her was when she, they had the conversation about the letter she had brought in to request testing they were like, yeah, mom, you know, we'll, we'll be happy to test or do whatever you want done. 
But then they had more conversation with her. And they had conversation about, you know, thinking back when that already, you know, they did the already, there was it was kind of some commotion in class. Maybe we need to retake that. You know, we can do that over several days. Um, you know, he's passing, you know, he's got C's and D's, so he's doing and he does well in math. So, you know, as far as sorry about that. As far as from like an academic standpoint, they felt like, hey, he's really thriving. And at, thriving being their definition, right? And so sometimes for some educators, thriving is not failing, right? Like you can be an average kid. And, and you may have heard that before from your schools as well. If your kid is average, sometimes teachers will say, it's okay to be average. Completely agree with that. But there's a difference, right? There's a difference from being average, which is fine. It's, you know, I'm sure there's many subjects I'm, I'm average or below average on. But you should still be able to give your best and you should still be able to be in a position where you have the tools to read and be successful. And as we know, reading is like the core of everything we do, right? So they said to her, you know, he's doing pretty well. And so I was like, let me, let me stop you right there. Let's have a conversation about that. She had already previously shared with me that he had had A's and B's in kindergarten, first and second. So let that sink in for a minute. He had A's and B's. Kindergarten, first, and second. But yet, he was being identified as a student that was only currently reading at a kindergarten level. Now we're looking at C's and D's, she said. And that that got her attention as well. And I said, well, let me talk to you about dyslexia. Let me talk to you about what it looks like. Uh, and, and let's talk about that for a moment. So we did. And I said, you know, when, first of all, our kids are really... Um, there's, they have such a creative piece of their brain that you might not know about yet. And they're able to compensate for areas that they struggle in. They figure out other ways to work around things. Um, and so they, they figure that out as long as they can until they can't do it anymore. Now, that's all subconsciously. It's not like they wake up this morning and say, okay, I have a reading test. How do I you know, get around that? That's, that's not what I'm talking about. A lot of it is just their body and their brain compensating and figuring out other ways um, and it could be that maybe you have a very auditory learner like I do, where she can listen to a lecture and she can answer questions or if someone reads a passage, she can answer questions. But if she's going to read it, it may sound really robotic because she's chopping it up as she decodes it. So it just really depends on, on your, your child's severity of dyslexia and kind of what that looks like. But we talked about that because I said, you know, when you look at dyslexia, you look at from the assessments we've seen anyway, is that most psychologists or most testing, you know, assessment people, you know, the, the marker of some of the dyslexia is that your child is average or above average intelligence, which I've seen a lot more of the above average. And this low, low score of, you know, phonics, phonemic awareness, um, you know, the pieces of reading, the cognitive and the reading comprehension have this large gap, if you will, in between each other. And I said, you know, that that's a, that's a sure tell that, that there's a concern there for dyslexia. And the other red flag there to me is, does the school really understand a dyslexic brain? Because this is where sometimes teachers miss it because they don't understand how dyslexia works and so when you have kids that are not failing everywhere, then they're fine, right? 
And so when you have kids that are really smart in other areas of their day, then it's hard for educators to wrap their mind around, uh, you know, how can this kid be so bright in one area, but not in the other. So then you start hearing things about, do you read at home? Do, uh, how do they do homework? Um, you know, you start hearing, oh, well, maybe they should try harder. Maybe, you know, maybe he's not focusing. You start hearing those pieces sometimes. So that's one of the red flags I would say to listen for is if, if, if your students' reading scores are below grade level, but yet the school's saying, well, they're not failing yet, or they're just not failing, period, then we're good. Yeah, no, your child deserves to learn to read, okay? So that would be one thing. The other thing is she also shared with them that there's a family history of dyslexia. And although they listened, um, they were like, yeah, we still think, though, that we can do some interventions, and we still think there's some pieces we can do there. And, you know... Which is fine, right? There are interventions that schools can do. I'm not really sure what that looks like at their school. But if your family history is a history of where... It might be some um, history of people not being identified, but history of really struggling to learn to read, then that could be a sure indicator that there's something going on there. So you really have to listen is the main point and kind of read in between the lines and watch for those red flags. But if your child, you know, you're hearing things that you don't feel like that really makes sense, um, question that. Uh, just like this mom did. She said, you know, there was a conversation where during the meeting where they said, you know, there's he had taken an assessment and not done well. I think it's a class and a class test, really. And he, they worked with him. They went over it with him. They gave him the exact same test, and he only made a 70. And she's like, well, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, why why was he still only getting a 70? So the teachers acknowledged, like, uh, yeah, okay, that makes sense that there's a concern. So it's really having those open conversations. But the red flags are not only for you to be listening for things, but also pieces that you're going to learn along your journey where you realize that the educators might not really be clued into what dyslexia actually looks like. And so the other pieces, so so let me talk to you about the the response, what they decided to do at the end of the meeting. So by the end of the meeting, testing was off the table. They said, well, let's just wait for that. They had discussed that the iReady needed to be redone over several days. And then after that, they would consider maybe doing a dyslexia screener. So I said, well, let's talk about what we know. So if you're in a situation right now, these are the things I want you to know about these red flags. When you think about postponing a formal testing situation for your child, or you think about, well, yeah, they're getting by, they're struggling, but they're getting by. But when you have that large gap of discrepancies of your child not reading on grade level, there are some things you want to look at. So we we talked about that. I was like, okay, so you can choose to kind of stay the course, right? And they were going to put some things in place uh, for, you know, him as well, some interventions. But we don't really want to Band-Aid learning to read, right? We don't want to just put a Band-Aid on it and accommodate it and say, okay, this child gets extended time. Because if we don't teach the child how to decode and learn to read, he will struggle with it his entire life. So I was like, that's, that's not the way we want to go. Not to mention social, emotional things that happen along the way. So what we looked at was, I said, you know what, let's look at it from this direction. Would you ask for a dyslexia screener now if you think about these things? 
One is you have the assessment. So you've got hard data from the school that says that he is on a kindergarten level. He is in the third grade. You also have evidence from the school that his grades are slipping. And you also have a couple of things that you're seeing at home. One is he never wants to do homework because he struggles with it. He does have stomach aches. And when you do very seldom hear him read or you have him read for you, it is not like you're someone reading a passage. It is very choppy and robotic is what I want to call it because our kids are trying to figure out each individual word. Sometimes they might memorize words. Sometimes they know what they look like, the shapes of them. People do a lot of different things to compensate for what they don't know. Sometimes they'll figure it out in the context of what they're reading. But she said, you know, he reads very choppy-like. I said, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, and, and then two, they said it takes him a while to get things done in class. I was like, well, that could be, you know, the way his brain's processing. So, you know, those pieces. And then the other piece is that this person has dyslexics in her family. Siblings. Nieces. So I was like, you know, you have a strong family history. She even confided and said, you know, I don't even like to read now as an adult. I've always struggled with reading something and then going back and remembering it. So that reading comprehension had been a concern and reading had been not something that was enjoyable. So I said, you know, knowing all those pieces, what do you think you would want to do? Because ultimately, it's your decision as a family what your next steps would be. So we looked at, you know, some of the things we were hearing the school say, although very supportive, but at the same time, saying things that indicated that they might not have a real grasp on what a dyslexic learner looks like. And as we hear things that sound that way, then what do we do about it? Do we, do we just stay the course? And she's like, you know, I'm going to reach back out. So she made the decision the same day of the meeting that after we kind of debriefed and had conversations that she was going to reach back out and say, you know what, we have, we have many hour ready scores since kindergarten. Let's put that on hold. Let's put that on hold and do the hour dyslexia screener that they have and figure out, you know, is, is there some pieces there that identify him as being a student that might be dyslexic? To me, that was made the most sense, right? Because at the end of the day, once she goes through the screening process with her son, she'll know if he needs formal assessment and testing. And then the school actually does have dyslexic screeners that they come in and screen once a week. They have individuals that come in and work with students specifically on dyslexia. They do have some reading intervention in place that he's going to do anyway. But why not take advantage of the resources that are there? Of course, we'll circle back and have some conversation about what those look like. But we had to get things started somewhere. So I say all that to wrap up and say this, which is go into, you know, to conversations with educators that are with our children all day long, with an open mind, with a learning of, of, of what they're saying. Let's learn and hear what they're saying. But also remember, there's some pieces you already know. So bringing those to the table is helpful. If you're hearing things, these red flags, that don't 
you know, mesh with what you think you should be hearing. And, and, and I say that as respectfully as I can, because, you know, what you, what you, what you're hearing may take you a little bit of time to process. So I would encourage you to have conversations with someone that, that understands how this works and have conversations about kind of debriefing the meeting and talking through things. And when you're able to do that with someone, it kind of gives you that perspective. And it also helps because that independent person can say, just like we did yesterday, and, and look at it and say, okay, well, these are all the information you have equipped to you. You've got that kindergarten result. You've got a reader who's not fluently reading. You've got a third grader that has stomach aches, that doesn't do homework, and you have a history in your family of dyslexia. I would ask for the dyslexia screener. It seemed like a no-brainer, right? So, but, you know, you have to get there as the parent. What I want you to do, though, where I was going a moment ago was, you know, being open-minded is good, but you need to also listen for these types of red flags that may seem out of out of the ordinary as far as it seems like they don't match with what we know about dyslexics. And you may say, I don't know about dyslexics, though. That's why I'm listening, right? Like, I don't, I don't know what those red flags would be. So I gave you a couple of examples today, but I mean, there's many more that we hear uh, in, in Facebook groups and different things and just talking to other parents. So I would encourage you to, to reach out to someone, reach out to someone like myself or someone else that you know that you respect, who is a little bit further along, who you can talk to about what you're seeing and what they're saying and what the game plan is. And just having those conversations will help you get clarity on what you want to do next. You know, one of the things I shared with this mom because she has a medical background was this. I was told early on, if you think about dyslexia like strep throat, you are going to take your child to the doctor and you're going to get the medication they need so that you can get rid of that strep throat and your kiddo can feel better. You know, this isn't any different. When we get a student that's identified with dyslexia, there is very specific uh, reading interventions that can be done for children with dyslexia where they can learn to decode sounds and words and they can learn to read. It may never be perfect because our kids aren't perfect, right? None of us are perfect, but they have such a better chance when they know those, those grammar, those, well, really those phonics rules and they're able to start applying those rules and start figuring those pieces out and start having some success, so, you know, it's important to have that person and it can be an advocate, it can be an attorney, it could be a trusted friend, it could be someone that's further along, you know, the conversation, it could be, I know I have a friend that has uh, someone they consult with, which was their, um, like a speech therapist friend, uh, sometimes people at church might have, you know, a child psychologist, there are lots of places you can go to find resources. If you're stuck, come join us at the Dyslexia Mom Life Facebook community. I have a Facebook community specifically for our podcast. It's Dyslexia Mom Life Podcast Community. We have lots of resources in there and lots of people in there that are really giving and have huge hearts and many, many moms that are in there that get it and can give you some amazing recommendations. And then we also have, you know, people in there that have been on the podcast, uh, different advocates and whatnot, and people like myself. And, you know, we'll weigh in and give you some information as well. So just know that you are not alone on this journey. It is not going to be something that is going to be, I'm going to put in air quotes, fixed overnight. Your child is not something to be fixed. But 
this is not the end of the world. I know it feels like it some days, but I would say just do one step. What's the next step you can take? And so if your next step right now is to set that meeting up, to have that conversation with the school because they're seeing some concerns or you're seeing some concerns at home, go in with an open mind, collecting information, and then find someone you can trust to have conversations with that understands dyslexia. Okay, let me say that again. Someone who understands dyslexia. It is going to make a huge difference. If the person you talk to doesn't understand how dyslexia works, then, you know, it's, it's like that analogy again about the strep throat. You know, you're not going to go to, trying to think of an example, I'm not going to go to the drive through at Chick-fil-A to ask them to give me a prescription for strep throat, right? Like, that's not the right place to be. So don't give... You know, don't don't go to someone who doesn't have the expertise to to really hear you and help you brainstorm pieces and, and get you through those pieces. Now, I say that, but there will also be people that we've talked about in other episodes who are your tribe. And those are the people that emotionally support you, that want to be there for you. You're absolutely going to need those people as well to get you through this journey. But what I'm talking about is, you know, as you walk out of these meetings and you're trying to make sense out of things, you need someone to objectively help you make sense out of things and to get help you get some perspective, okay? So at the end of the day, I know you've got this and we've got this and we are here for you. Please come join our Dyslexia Mom Life podcast community Facebook group. Um, you can also find me on Instagram on Dyslexia Mom Life. And then at our website, dyslexiamomlife.com, there's lots of resources there, including a free resource ebook that's, I think it's titled Dyslexia, Now What? <laughs> so grab, go grab that free resource. It gives you the first three steps of getting started. So I hope you have a fantastic day. And remember, you got this.